Well, hello, church. As you are aware, we spent our Advent season talking about the historic and traditional themes that go along with the Advent season. Two of those were faith and hope. And Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, puts those two together along with a third virtue, and that is love. And today I want to spend some time talking about that love because Paul will tell us that those three abide. And of those three, he tells us that love is the greatest. As we think about the teaching of Jesus, and in particular what we know as the great commandment to love God and to love one another, we see that love was a major theme for Jesus himself. And so it's worth taking some time. And I want to sort of parse out and tease out uh, that particular instruction to love God and to love one another today. As we talk about our love for God, there are many ways in which to tackle that subject. But I think we need to start with understanding that our love for God is a response and is in direct reaction to God's love for us. And so when we talk about love in any of these ways, towards God, towards each other, or even towards ourselves, we need to understand God's love for us first. It is the foundational piece, as we will see today. In 1 John, the writer tells us that it is the life, death, and resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, of God himself, that is evidence for God's love for us. As we think about that, and as we reflect on that cross and the, the whole story of God, which is the story of God rescuing his creation, which he created and loved and deemed as good. At a fundamental level, in light of what Jesus has done on the cross, it is, it is crucial to understand as children of God, God is not mad at us. He's not working against us. Everything that he has done and that he continues to do is for our betterment, is for our reconciliation, is, is for the purpose of bringing us back into relationship with him. And one of the, one of the foundational questions we have to ask ourselves as we approach this topic of love um, and, and particularly how we might be more loving and, and reflect God in the world, we have, to, we have to come to terms with whether or not we really understand this. It's only when we experience for ourselves the love of God that we can begin to love God back. And in fact, it is in experiencing the weight of his love for us that we are compelled to love him back. We cannot help but do so. We must remember that God is love. All love is from God. And so as we experience God's love and we begin to love him back, we must realize, of course, that our love for God is simply a reflection of his love for us. And that's why we say we cannot love God until we first experience his love for us. We cannot give back to him that which he has not first given to us. One of the most obvious questions that we are faced with as we talk about loving God is, do we? Do we actually love God? Do we actually experience his love and reflect that back to him? Jesus will tell us that one of the primary ways in which we love God, we show our love for God, is in loving others. But we struggle with this. We find this hard to do very often. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is why? As we dig into that question, we find ourselves reacting in unloving ways because of the way others have treated us. And so in the same way as we have just talked about our love for God being a response to our understanding and our experience of love from him, we often turn to other people and think that our love for them ought to be a response to their love for us. Lying just beneath that understanding is that our love for that which is outside of us is a response to our being loved. And when we get in trouble when it comes to loving other people, as we feel that our ability to love them ought to be in response to their actions towards us. We understand that value and worth is in some respects extrinsic. 
That is to say that something is valuable not in and of itself, but rather because someone values it. For example, humanity has long valued gold. Gold is nothing but a metal, but we as people have decided that it is beautiful, that it is pretty, that it is rare, and that therefore we will put value on it. And so we have used it as our fundamental basis of trade for millennia. But gold, as I said, is really nothing but a metal. It is because we have decided to see value in it that it has any value at all. And we often understand our relationships with other people and our self-identity in this way. We often think that our value comes from others seeing and placing value in us. And so when we come up against someone who we feel is not loving towards us, when we come up against someone who we see as disagreeing with us and we see that as an attack or a disagreement with who we are, we immediately feel devalued, we feel angry, we feel defensive, resentful. And because we feel that way, we then are incapable of reflecting love to them because we have not felt love from them. If we continue to think about our relationships this way, we will be incapable of loving others because the truth of the matter is people will always let us down. Friends, spouses, children, parents, people are incapable of loving purely and authentically 100% of the time. And so inevitably there will come a time when someone has said something or done something that makes us feel devalued or makes us feel that they don't love us completely. And if our relationship with them and our loving them is contingent upon their loving us, well then, of course, we find ourselves in a position in which we cannot fully and truly love them. You cannot love from a position of defensiveness and hurt. And it is inevitable that other people will let us down. They will say things that hurt us, that make us feel unloved. And so if our source of love comes from other people, when that happens, we become incapable of loving. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus tells us that we love him by loving others. And what we must realize is that that love stems from him, that he grants us the love in loving us, and it is in being filled up and running over with that love that we are able to love others. In other words, our ability to love others is not in response to their treatment of us. It is in response to God's love for us that we are filled up, spill over, and love others. And so this leads us to the fundamental question, and that is, do you love yourself? Do you feel loved? As I asked a couple of weeks ago, how is it with your soul? Are you okay? Are you really okay? When I ask the question, do you love yourself? I don't mean by that this pop psychology idea of self-love and self-actualization. What I mean by that is, do you understand, do you have an experience of the reality that the creator of the world loves you, that the creator of the world looks at you and says, you are worthy of his love. Yes, we sin. Yes, we fail. Yes, we have messed up the image of God that he has implanted in us. But the truth of the cross, the truth of Jesus and his life, death, resurrection, his sacrifice is that it has now enabled God to look beyond and through our messed up selves to the core of who we truly are, to the person that he has created. And he looks at that person, he looks at you, and he is pleased. He is in love. He looks at you and says, you are good, and you are worthy of my love. We have spent a lot of time talking through the message and truth of the gospel and pulling out the reality that the message of the gospel is most fundamentally the message that Jesus is king, that the Messiah, the promised king, has come. 
And that message means as followers of Jesus that we have a king, that we are part of a kingdom. And as part of that kingdom, we are granted privileges, that of being brothers and sisters with Christ, heirs to eternal life, and that also places upon us obligations. But embedded in all of that is the truth that God loves you, that all of this is true. The king has come because he loves you. The king has come. He has suffered death. He has gone through death. He has come out the other side and conquered it so that he can bring you back into relationship with him because he loves you. And when you understand that, when you truly experience God's love for you, when you meditate and ponder and receive the love that God has for you, you are provided with a foundation a place from which to turn not only back to God in love, but to all of his creation in love. If it is true that the maker of the world, the creator of everything, looks at you and says, you are of supreme worth, you are valued to me, and I love you, what does it matter if someone else slights you or argues with you or feels that your perspective is wrong? So while there are those out there that will tell you that in order to love other people, you must first love yourself, what the gospel says to us is no, we must understand that God loves us, the creator of the world, the great love itself. We're told that God is love and it is that God who loves us. And so it is not that we love ourselves, it is that God loves us and it is resting in that truth and that reality and that experience that then equips us to love others. Self-love, in other words, is not our own love of ourself, but rather a recognition that we are eternally and infinitely loved by our God. And so we are brought back to the beginning. We realize that our ability to love ourselves and to love those around us is fundamentally grounded upon our relationship with God. It is in our being loved and loving God that we are then equipped, resourced, strengthened to love others. The next question then is, how do we come to that realization? How do we come to the place? How do we put ourselves in a position in order to receive that love, to experience that love, so that we then can understand not only our worth, but the worth of all of those around us? The answer is remarkably simple. It is in reading and understanding and finding our place in God's story that we do this. The story of God has many twists and turns, ups and downs, but at the end, it is one monumental love story. It is the love story of the world. It is in reading and rehearsing and acting out that story that we find ourselves encountering God. We find ourselves coming up against the truth and the reality and the experience of God's love for us and our call to love others. And we do so in prayer. So oftentimes we think that prayer is the time when we need to come before God and we offer him our praises, our thanksgivings, our concerns, our stresses, our worries. But we also must understand that prayer is a conversation. And while oftentimes we don't hear audible words back from God, we must put ourselves in a position and take time to hear from God. And it is in being quiet and listening, we often hear and feel his love for us. And so while we rehearse the story, we must also take the time to place ourselves in a position to be loved and to know that love intimately. At the root of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden was the belief that God had not made them the way that they ought to be, that they could be more and that they should be more. That when the serpent came and said, by eating the fruit, you can be more than God has created you, 
They bought into the lie that that's the way it should have been. They didn't believe that they were enough, that God made them the way they ought to be, and that he loved them just the way they are. And so they longed for more, and they believed the serpent. We all too often fall into the same trap. We find ourselves with the same motivation and commit the same sin. But we know our self-worth, our love, our hope, our peace, our faith, and our joy ought to stem from God. We turn and try to find it from somewhere else. Anger and fear and fighting are a sign that we have failed to recognize, to live in, and to rest in God's love for us. We have instead sought our value and our love from other things, people or places, and they have failed us. And because we feel that failure at a core level, because we feel hurt and discouraged or devalued, we get angry, we get scared, and we lash out. Until we return to God as the source of our love and our identity, we cannot love God, we cannot love people, and we cannot expand the kingdom as he has called us to do. Now, there are times we are rightly moved to anger. God himself is angry at injustice. When we find ourselves being argumentative, feeling uneasy, feeling angry, we must step back and ask ourselves, is this God's anger? Is this a righteous indignation? Or is this us feeling hurt, scared, slighted? Is it us feeling that the other person doesn't love us or is devaluing our opinion? Or is it truly an injustice to which we are called to action? What are you ultimately trying to accomplish with your life? If it is to love God, if it is to love other people, if it is to expand the kingdom of God, if that is the priority and the focus of what we are doing in this world, well, then that changes everything. That changes our perspective. It allows us to respond to other people in starkly different ways than we would if we are trying to experience love and self-worth and self-actualization in this world through the response of others. In the Christian calendar, January 6th is Epiphany. This is the time when we celebrate the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the King. And this gets to the heart of the gospel, that Jesus is King. And that because we have a King, we do the thing that the King has said. And the, the King has told us to love God and to love each other. And so there is a deeply sad irony that on Epiphany this year, we watched as crowds gathered, carrying crosses, carrying flags that bear the name of our Savior, erecting, in one case, a cross in front of a state capitol, and then, by the use of force, entering the capitol in order to exert their political will. And while I know that none of us were there, the question we must ask ourselves today is, in what ways do we do that? In what ways do we find ourselves motivated by fear, motivated by anger, motivated because we feel attacked or confronted, we feel that our way of life is being eroded, we feel that our sense of value and the things that we value are being taken out from underneath us? In what ways do we fail to found ourselves, to ground ourselves in the identity that God has given us and the love that he extends to us? And rather than being filled with that love and allowing it to flow over to others, we focus on the hurt and the indignation and we respond in anger. If we are going to be honest with ourselves, each and every one of us has had ample opportunity over the last year to feel that way, to act that way, to take to social media or turn to someone who disagrees with us and lash out out of fear and anger. 
today as we reflect on the love of God for us, as we reflect on the birth of our Savior, which we have just celebrated, and the gift and the evidence of God's love that that is for us, we are challenged to place ourselves back on the firm foundation of God's love for us. And so today, may you come to an understanding and experience of God's deep and abiding love for you. May you be grounded and transformed by that love. And may you reflect that love into the world through your words and actions. Amen.